You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Welcome back to the Batuta Advocate radio show, recording live here in Desert Rock FM studios. We've had a good run this year. We've had a lot of great guests. Some might say that's, you know, and we've, we've addressed this before on the podcast, uh, we've had this historic event called the coronavirus pandemic. It's lasted two years now. And it's also meant a lot of people have a lot more free time to join the Batuta Advocate podcast. So Errol Parker and myself, Clancy Overall, have been blessed with lots of guests. Last week we had Omar Musa. Mm-hmm. Week before that we had Spanion, you know. And, and this week we're, we're taking another right angle and we're interviewing yeah. for the third time Mr. Paul Kelly, thank you for joining us. Ah, oh, pleasure, pleasure. I'm yeah, good, no, to be, it's good to uh, be on the angle here. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, truly is a present you find under the tree and not one that's jammed in the stocking in terms of our podcast, that's for sure. Uh, thank you. We got very lucky. And, and you know what? We've been very lucky three times. There's three people. You know, I mentioned the, the vast array of guests from different walks of life that we've had on here over the year. But when it comes to guests that have done three appearances on the Batuta Advocate podcast, we have Becky Lucas... Esteemed. The, the esteemed stand-up comedian, friend of the show. And then we have the heavyweight UFC fighter, Ty Bam Bam Tuivasa. And we have Mr. Paul Kelly. And this third appearance by Paul Kelly is particularly special because Christmas is just down around the corner. So obviously you're going to play a big part in our Christmases, as you ha- have done f- since we can remember. You know, the Christmas spirit is something you're embracing this year more than years gone by. Yeah, I've, I've gone big. Yeah. I've gone big this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with a double album of twenty-two Christmas songs, <laughs> which has been brewing for a while. Um, some of them were recorded over the last few years, but we really sort of did most of them. We had a, a window down in um, Victoria, um, March, April, and mm-hmm. I got the band in the studio and invited a whole lot of different singers to come and do a big range of Christmas songs. Mm-hmm. It's something that has been on my mind for quite a few years now. Are you a Christmas guy? Is that your time of the year? Like some people, you know, they love yeah. spring, particularly the punters. You know, some people love Easter. Some people love winter. But- yeah, usually the the only people who like winter, in my experience, are, you know, homebody cancerians who have their birthday that time of year, yeah. I guess, you know. <laughs> or those you, that you've who have had a go in life, they've made a bit of money and they like going snow skiing. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know I really like autumn, yep. especially in Melbourne. It's just, I love that time of year. It's just with the fogs and often you get fog in the morning and mm-hmm. it lifts to a cl- clear blue day and the changing colours of the leaves and the start of football season. So yeah. I've got a particular soft spot for autumn. But yeah, Christmas is a big part of, you know, family tradition ever since I was a kid and we always get together and sing carols on Christmas Eve, sort of the ex- my siblings who are, um, there's a few of us based in Melbourne and there's another, a lot of us based in Brisbane, so we we tend to do Christmas in the two different camps now. But with the Melbourne siblings and their children and their children's children, we still have around, you know, and it's, and then some friends and strays and so on. We still have, usually have around thirty people Christmas Eve, stumbling our way through carols. So that's become our uh, our thing over the years. And I also really like that period after Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's Eve. I don't like to go go away anywhere because. Just being in the city then, it's really quiet. You watch cricket on um, telly and maybe go, go down to the G for one day and I live close to the beach, go swimming and just, you know, do do very little. Those those couple days are pretty special. You don't know what day it is and if you do, it's 
purely informed by what day it is of the test. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. you're on the couch, you're in and out of naps. Yeah. Yeah. And you're eating leftover ham. Yeah. It's, it's a very special time. Yeah. Now, tell us, you're, you're, the Kelly family, as you mentioned before, are kind of right across the country, uh, particularly your immediate siblings. There was a, you know, once you had left home and were on the road already, the younger siblings and your mother went up to, you know, Queensland in between what is now the centre of the megatropolis that is southeast Queensland, would have yeah. once been a sleepy town, Ormo, Yatler area. Yeah, yeah. What's the hottest Christmas you reckon you've done in Australia? Because I also know you've got family in Western Queensland. I haven't actually done a Christmas in Western Queensland, but, um, you know, I can't remember the hottest. There's a lot of hot ones I do remember. Probably, you know, as a childhood in Adelaide, you know, I think you just tend to remember those, the heat or the, the you know, there were probably ups and downs, but I, you know, I just seem to remember Adelaide was just always hot all summer long, it's really hot. a different hot. kind yeah. of sun too. It's like a laser sun down there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can remember the coldest Christmas I spent and it wasn't, it, it wasn't in, uh, oh, it may have been in, in um, Washington, D.C. Yeah. That was the coldest. But the coldest one in Australia was, funnily enough, in Melbourne many years ago. And my niece had recently moved to England, Kate, Dan Kelly's sister. And she was a que- grew up in Queensland. And she'd been coming back for the first time <laughs> for Australian Christmas and took you know, talking it up to her English husband, Will. She's thinking about the prawns. And the- yeah, they're like, oh, it's great. Christmas in Australia is hot. You know, it's great. We'd sort of sit outside and drink beer and wine and have salads and fish and prawns and all that. And uh, we had it in, in Melbourne that year, and it was a big family Christmas, and the top temperature was 14 degrees. <laughs> it topped at 14. It was like a record low Christmas. And... Uh, Kate's never been back to Melbourne since for Christmas, <laughs> yeah. and I don't think she ever will. Yeah, we might be headed for one like that this year too. It doesn't. We haven't had a heat wave yet. I mean, no, like just the, the other week they had a big bunch of snow in Hobart, which you know I, I guess that's not completely out of reason being, you know, on the end of the appendix of this country. But up into Melbourne, you'd expect it to be a bit hot. Wouldn't you? <laughs> well, we had snow pretty recently in Melbourne on the outer, you know, yeah, in yeah. the fringes in November. So yeah, it's pretty weird. We've had a lot of rain. It's very very wet. That's La Nina. Yeah, La Nina. Yep. Yep. And and you'll be hearing about, if you've got any family in the bush, you'll be hearing about La Nina this year too Mm -hmm. because farmers are the first on it. Now, um, speaking of the cold, cold winter in Melbourne this year and quiet one too. How did you go? We we were talking outside. We said we probably don't need to talk too much about the 300 days, but you said it was quite productive. Oh, actually, we escaped. Yep. We (laughs) (laughs) we were lucky enough to – we had a regional tour booked in – on the east, east coast, Queensland, Victoria, New South Wales, and, and Tasmania. And we got to Queensland. Uh, everything was okay at that time between Victoria and, and Queensland. We uh, It was sort of touch and go, but we ticked all the boxes and we started our tour in Queensland. And then things got really bad in New South Wales and elsewhere in Victoria. So we just we couldn't do the scheduled shows in Victoria and New South Wales. So we just kept adding shows. Uh, in Queensland, and then in Tassie, we did extra shows, and we managed to get five weeks of our tour done. We got twenty-four shows done. That was through July, and we were sort of just just avoiding, you know, that's, we were sort of like it's like a B-grade horror movie. We were just sort of like, it's like this cloud behind us, the bug, yeah, and we yeah. were just you know <laughs> keeping away from it. And we um, had you know shows booked in Stanthorpe, and we got to have one Bundaberg was on the list, but uh, that had, you know, we finally got sort of caught up. We got to Bundaberg, but um, 
because we'd been in Gold Coast a couple of days before, we, we weren't allowed to, uh, you know, we were contaminated, supposedly. So we had to uh, pack up the tour and, and get home. And then we got home to Melbourne, and then two days later, Melbourne went into lockdown. Oh, okay. So yeah. But it wasn't us. We didn't start it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we know. We, uh, we know. Uh, we've been, you know, as Queenslanders, able to um, be Switzerland in this debate as to who caused the uh, 2021 lockdowns uh, down south. But so yeah, we count ourselves lucky. We got you know we got some touring in, got the band and the crew. We all got some work, and it was a really fun tour, especially with that sense of adventure that we didn't know whether it was could stop any day. And we we got a record done, so yeah. it wasn't a bad year all around. That, that, that's been the funniest thing about COVID nineteen is all these people that never once had an instinctive bone in their body were making these huge decisions about should we leave, should we stay, should we fly up now, it looks like we're about to lock down, yeah. should we get out of town? And I don't think anyone regrets any of those decisions they've made over the last couple of years. No. If it looks like it's happening, skip town because it probably is. Yeah. Well, after the viral curtain closed around all of us, did you do any online gigs or did you just kind of take that time to... Over the last couple of years, there's been a few sort of online things, some streaming things, not really sort of full gigs, but little performances here and there. Quite a few sort of just sort of requests and more, um, not charity so much, but just certain. I would like to did did a few songs for the, you know, the COVID response team and all the workers in that team in Melbourne and uh, various little things like that. I want to hear a little bit more about this mega Christmas album we just we kind of opened with at the start of the show was is this something you've had like you've thought about for for years or is it something you kind of you know was was it a result of the the you know thinking about family and thinking about getting together over the last couple of years of, of, of which we all have been doing you know there's always been a time whether you just missed it and got on tour but there's always been a time where you're kind of apart from people and this feels like the perfect kind of album to come out of that yeah it was pretty good timing I I, I don't know if I, I sort of had planned it that consciously to come out in a year like this but it has been on my mind a long time and I have had an interest in you know Christmas music and Christmas songs I think it's an incredibly rich tradition and I used to do um, a Christmas radio show with my son Declan who was a presenter on Triple R for many years he had a weekly show called Against the Arctic (laughs) and he played all kinds of music on that show and then one year this is about 13 years ago he said do you want to come on and do a a Christmas show with me. and it was a two, He had a two-hour slot, so we did that. It was great fun. We had a couple of live guests, and we played lots of Christmas songs that we chose between us. And then, uh, we, you know, we decided to keep going, and we, we did it for five more years. And because we didn't want to repeat ourselves, so that, that's probably when I started, you know, consciously yeah. looking for music, searching out new music. I also good friends with... Um, Brian Nankervis from Rockwiz, and they were they would do their regular Christmas yeah. shows, and he's a list guy like I am, and so he had a he would have a huge he had a big collection of Christmas yeah. songs, and we we would swap Christmas songs if we heard a good one would would pass it on. I think that the thing you don't maybe many people don't realise is just how much. I mean, we all know there's a lot of Christmas music out there, and it probably probably because you know you get so used to it being piped. In supermarkets and in lists and mm-hmm. the same old carols and songs, you know, there are lots of sort of saccharine, sort of schlocky versions of those songs out there that I think Christmas music does get a bit of a bad reputation. But if you, you know, you dig into it, there's just so much good music. And every year new, new people are either doing great versions of an old Christmas song or there's a new Christmas song. So if you look, 
it's a big, big, uh, I guess, treasure trove of songs there and all kinds of styles, you know, beautiful hymns and carols, there's pop songs, you know, some of the greatest, you know, American songwriters in the, what they call the golden age of American songwriting with Cole Porter and um, Gus Van Zandt and Jimmy Hewson and um, Rodgers and Hammerstein and all those guys and they all sort of realised, oh, and of course Irving Berlin with White Christmas. There was a great tradition of writing these um, pop Christmas songs and lots of those are still around today. Um, yeah, I was just about to ask you on, on this list of songs that you put together for this album, there's everything from, you know, your traditional Christmas carols that you'd hear at your door uh, on Christmas Eve and then there are ones, you know, from the band that were, you know, a B-side on one of their albums from the mid-70s mm. just as they were on the way out. How did you narrow this list down? I mean, as you were saying, there are millions and millions of Christmas songs out there, but, you know, you've only got room on a double album. Well, that was one reason I did extend it to a, a double album, cause just because <laughs> yeah. of one, because there were so yeah. many great songs, and also just to, you know, to make the whole, because there's so much variety, to make it sit would have been sort of quite piecemeal just on, as a single album. I just had a lot of personal favourites. I mean, Oh Holy Night is a song I just love. It's a, it was a hymn, I guess. Or a carol, and I approached Marlon Williams, you know, to do it. He was my first thought, and when I when I approached him and I asked about it, he said, "That's my favourite Christmas carol." And then he said, "Can I sing it in Maori?" I said, "You bet." So <laughs> that's that's came up beautifully. Perfect, yeah. Silent Nights, one of my all time favourite songs. So that was top of the list. Little Drummer Boy that yeah. we sing was sort of the favourite with the family. We always sort of have arguments about that song about you know when to come in because of this. You know, coming after the fourth beat or the third beat in between the verses and the, the lines is always a, you know, we, we generally tend to mess that song up, but we, you know, it's always good fun. And uh, Virgin Mary Have One Son, which staple singer's song, and that was, I just heard someone like Emma Donovan doing that. So a lot of them were really um, quite obvious to me from the start. This, you know, we'll do this one, we'll do that one. Then I've made a few discoveries along the way. Alice Keith, who was sort of a, a big presence on the record because she's involved in various tracks here and there. She's one of those great people that can straddle classical and folk because mm-hmm. she, she, she writes, writes both and sings both ways. And We wrote Kate Miller-Heidke in for a Coventry carol, that, which was a song that, a carol that Alice suggested. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun making discoveries, um, and um, just broke, you know, getting people in, yeah, and getting surprised. Yeah, a lot of a lot of good surprises, I, I think. You use the term Christmas songs, which is a, I guess a good song. Christmas music's a good term because you know there's songs and there's carols. You know, there's there's carol. I was, I was going to uh, go around the table and ask what everyone's favourite carol is, but you seem to have nailed it. <laughs> Silent Night, you. I'm definitely drummer boy. Me. Yeah. Oh, jeez. I don't know. Jingle bells. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's. Uh, a, yeah, no, that, uh, does it does it make the list? There's a list guy. Well, it's funny. We you know we got all nearly all the songs done, and then I, I realised, fuck, I don't have a, I don't have a Santa song. <laughs> I don't have a Santa song. Yeah. yeah. And um, you know, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer is one we always sing at the carols because the kids, yeah. kids all love that. There's, and then that's when Alice Keith suggested. I mean, Alice Keith suggested. Oh, you know, there's. I started talking about Santa and he's based on the legend of Saint Nicholas, mm-hmm. a, you know, a bishop from the fourth century. And um, she knew this hymn about him in Latin. And 
she played it to me and I thought that'd be great and she she just did it played all the instruments herself so we do sort of we did get a Santa song in just you know it's really a Saint Nicholas song yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, it's like a like a, a couple of years ago how um how Bob Dylan he did his Christmas album and there was uh he he did Jingle Bells on that and I, I was at a Christmas and and, and I put it on and it scared the shit out of all the kids. And they all started crying. They hadn't heard a voice like that do it. That scared the Jesus out of them. I love this one. Great, I love that song on that one uh, or the clip of it. Um, yeah. Maybe you should play the kids. That must be Santa. Yeah, yeah. A, the great clip where you know everything. Bob Dylan's wandering around and looking like Father Christmas, and then there's a, a fight breaks out. It's a sort of. Hilarious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're saying with those the songs versus the carols, it's got me thinking a lot about it. There's hymns, carols, and songs, and there's and there's you know and there's other there's other kind of uh, ways of you know putting together Christmas music. There's also Christmas movies, which we all know. You know, there's some classics, Love Actually, and then there's the Home Alones, which are the real family ones, and mm. then there's some that you know people debates rage over is that a Christmas film I'd say Die Hard's one of them you know yeah. sa- Saving the Day do you find there's any songs that weren't actually made as Christmas songs but became them I don't know yeah I, I, feel, I feel like How to Make Gravy might be I mean that's a song you can play all year round and people do we, yeah we play it <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was you know it was written for um, specifically for a Christmas charity oh, record was. so in my mind it was always a, a Christmas song Talking about movies, you didn't mention It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. James Stewart. Uh, that's, or Home Alone. Yeah, yeah. No, Home Alone and Home Alone 2. Two, <laughs> two Christmases and Die Hard 2, actually. They're all set in the, on Christmas Eve. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it is. Uh, there's all these different things. And it's like um, it's unlike any other day of the year where you can you know, ingest the same thing again. As a family, you'll sit down and watch Love Actually. I know there'd be families that have done that 20 years in a row. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that there's families that have, you know, played How to Make Gravy 20 years in a row and then again all throughout the year. But I, I do want to kind of zone in on on how you pulled that song together. You said it was specifically in your mind a Christmas song. But uh, can you tell us a little bit about the origins of How to Make Gravy? Yeah, you know, I, I'd been asked to take part in this Christmas record, and I I chose Christmas Must Be Tonight, which is also one, yeah. finally, that's on the record, but James Blundell yep. had taken it, so then the organiser of the record, Lindsay Field, who plays and sings with John Farnham, said, well, why don't you try writing your own Christmas song? I said, oh, okay, I'll have a go. And then you know, I was stuck for a while, and I was just thinking about, how the hell am I going to write a Christmas song? I mean, there's, you know... Christmas has been done to death. You already had a few albums under your belt too. This was well into your touring career. Yeah, it was in 1996 that we did it. I started thinking about, well, what's the best way to get the feeling, you know, to get the feeling across about Christmas? And then I thought, well, maybe the best way to describe Christmas is from the point of view of someone who can't be there. So, and then I thought, oh, yeah. And then my next thought was, why can't he be there? And then, or he or she'd be there. And then my next thought was, oh, they're in prison. That's mm-hmm. why they can't be there. So that's one I had. Once I had that idea, that, that was written very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I had a bit of a tune that I was playing around with at the time, and it, just the words sort of started to form around that. I can't really remember exactly how it happened, but it, I think it happened pretty quickly yeah. once I had that little key. One thing that I think resonates with everyone is obviously uh, everyone's got a bloke like that in the family, or a lot of people do, particularly back then, who's away. 
for reasons that they're probably not talking about too much on Christmas Day. But the mindset, and it actually goes back to a guest we had on a couple of weeks ago, has just released a book about you know life inside a range of New South Wales prisons in kind of a chopper yeah. red style Spaniard, his name is. Mm. You seem to understand the mentality. It sounds like it's coming from a con. Like, it sounds like it's coming from someone in jail. Had you, had you done much shows in prisons or anything like that, just to kind of get that voice? Uh, we have done a few, but not for a long time. We did a, a few shows in the late 80s mm-hmm. with the band, and we, we played in Long Bay. We played in um, Pentridge. There's one, oh, Boggo Road. Yeah. And also a women's prison. Is it something, Silverwater? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Haven't done any for for a long time, but you know, I've known people who have spent time in prison, and mm. uh, as I guess most of us do. Yeah, even down to the you know the complicated relationship where he kind of loses his temper or he gets a bit paranoid with his own family. You know, when they're talking about pushing the tables back and just don't hold her too close, and then yeah. there's that, and it's all so complicated and flawed in in a family setting, but it actually is. So relatable. Did you see that happening with this song? Did you see that, like, you know, a song that was actually a story that probably wouldn't be covered in the in Home and Away? We wouldn't see that on, you know, in, we would probably even wouldn't see it on the news. But, you know, humanising the cousin inside. Were you surprised that everyone could kind of touch and feel that experience? Yeah, I, I was surprised at the song, you know, because the song, obviously, I sort of thought the song was, you know, more of a comedy when I wrote it. But I also, I didn't... Certainly didn't think it was a commercial song. It's quite long, four and a half minutes. Didn't have a chorus, and it was set in prison. So we put it out. We liked the song, but we didn't have much expectation. And we liked playing the song because it sort of has this inbuilt sort of gear change that's really good for the band to play. And then it's then you know it just sort of gradually became popular. So you didn't see yourself finishing every set with it ten, no, twenty years later. Didn't. <laughs> Didn't, didn't expect it to be sort of like the song that we have to play now. <laughs> yeah. It's very rare that people demand a song that long too. Like, <laughs> play it now. People often call out for Bradman. Like, really? Yeah. You want to bother, you know, the other half of the audience that doesn't like cricket? <laughs> yeah. It's like demanding that, you know, Kev, and I've done it too, Kev Carmody demanding that he play Driving's Woman. Driver's, uh, driving Woman. Driving yeah. Woman. Yeah. I've asked him to do it. Well, Mate, I can't do that. Like, like, I can't do that. I've got 21, 21 verses. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's like I've got 45 minutes on stage. I can't sing that. It's definitely a song that obviously, you know, and we don't need to tell you this, it's resonated and it's kind of made you and your songwriting and, and Paul Kelly and his band synonymous with Christmas. And because of that, this this album makes complete sense. You know, this this one you're releasing now. So um, to the listeners, if you are one of the hundreds of thousands, millions of families that you know have Paul Kelly playing on Christmas Day, this this is worth looking at. I know I'm I'm, I'm going to grab the vinyl. I think. You'd, how did how did getting a vinyl done? Like, did, do you do that with every album? Yeah, we've done that for a while now. Yeah, yeah. that's actually it's it was really exciting getting the vinyl back. I only just got yeah. you know got it last week. It's always just. Right to the wire. It's mm. a bit stressful. Yeah, that's what. Is the vinyl going to come? Because we we get ours pressed in Czechoslovakia. Yeah, you know, and I imagine there's always these guys in sort of lab coats <laughs> doing things very precisely. Um, well, and they do a great line. job. You know, yeah. big thick, big thick vinyl. It yeah. sounds good. So 
I yeah, think there would have been a rush, particularly in this uh, <laughs> in this kind of economy too, with the ships and everything's kind of running a bit late. Will we make Christmas with the vinyls? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was a bit of bit of a worry, but it's all it's all, all in done. the stores, and people seem to have got it. It's a big gatefold, and it's, you know sleeves with the lyrics in, in, yeah. inside the record, so it, it looks pretty good. It's a high quality product. High quality product. Yeah, yeah, just like just like the music of Paul Kelly. And without further ado, we we might finish today's interview with yeah. a live rendition. Everyone listening at home is going to be quite envious of Errol and I. But um, Paul said he's brought his guitar. It's sat on his lap this whole interview, and he's going to play "How to Make Gravy" for us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll just get organised. Hello Dan, it's Joe here, I hope you're keeping well, it's the 21st of December, now they're ringing the last bells, if I get good behavior, I'll be out here by July. Won't you kiss my kids on Christmas Day? Please, let them cry for me. I guess the brothers are driving down from Queensland. Stella's flying in from the coast. It's gonna be a hundred degrees Even more maybe But that won't stop the roast Who's gonna make the gravy now? I bet it won't taste the same Just add flour, salt, a little red wine Don't forget a dollar for tomato sauce For sweetness and an extra tang Give me love Angus and a Franken darling. Tell them all I'm sorry. I screwed it up this time. And look after the reader. I'll be thinking of her early Christmas morning. Mary's got a new boyfriend mm-hmm. Well I hope he can hold his own Do you remember the last one? What was his name again? What was his problem? He never did get Nina Simone Now Roger Well I'm even gonna miss Roger Cause there's sure as hell No one in here I wanna fight No, you really, really 
Spoiled Thank rotten. You. Thank you for joining us again, Paul. And there will be a fourth time. We probably won't ask you to perform. This is the second time you pulled the guitar out for us now. Right? Yeah, I'd yeah. say probably next time we'll have to come down to Melbourne. Yeah, Probably yeah, there. we'll come down there. Yeah, come down there. Yeah. Well, yeah. enjoy it. Christmas. Yeah, it's, you too. it's right in front of us. Yeah, and everyone else listening in, enjoy it. I can tell you what, you'll enjoy it much more with uh, 24 songs put together by Paul Kelly. 22. 22. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah, thanks, guys. You all have a great Christmas, too.